Yeah, today we're going to be talking about pornography. And I'm excited to talk about it. One of the reasons is because it's just an amazing topic to get uh, out there. And I know because one of the first articles I ever wrote as a psychologist on my website uh, was the negative effects of pornography. And it has been by far, there's one other, there's one that's pretty close on narcissism. People like narcissism to talk about that too. But um, pornography, I was really surprised, has been really a popular topic. Now, I don't know if you know much about how Google works, but I've been on the top of Google, but normally it's when I put my name in or when I put Winnipeg in or something like that, something that makes it really specific. But the negative effects of pornography article has gotten up even if you don't put those things in. If you just write in the negative effects or porn, something like that, it comes up on the first page. People are interested in this topic. And they're not just interested in it for the reasons that you might think they're interested in pornography. They're interested in how to get free from pornography. And uh, so I really like the idea of getting this message out and communicating more and more clearly. Just this last week in my practice, um, I, was, I wasn't even thinking about what I was going to have to talk about today. And I was having client after client in the afternoon. And they, all of a sudden I realized about halfway through the afternoon that there was like a theme to the day. We were ta I was talking about pornography in session after session after session. And it wasn't was because it was on my mind. It was because... People were coming in, they were being hit with pornography in various different ways. And it just made me realize how common of a topic this is in my practice. And I don't specialize in sexual issues. I, I obviously uh, talk about it quite a bit in, with couples and, and people coming in for various things. But uh, just in a general uh, therapy practice, people were, it was coming up again and again. Sometimes it comes up because people want to use more porn. They're trying to convince their partners to use more pornography. Uh, sometimes it comes up because um, a couple feels like pornography has caused an affair or is part of an affair pattern. Sometimes it comes up because there's an individual who is disconnected sexually from their partners and they don't feel intimate anymore and pornography comes up as a topic that's maybe potentially causing that issue uh, in their life. And uh, sometimes it comes up with Christian couples who come in who feel like they've been betrayed uh, very similarly to having an affair because somebody in the relationship was using pornography. Now, pornography is uh, definitely there for men and for women. Um, I'm going to be talking primarily about uh, male, uh, like men using heterosexual pornography. And uh, so I, I'm not unaware of uh, other pornography patterns or uh, kind of lusting patterns and things like that. But that's the focus for today. And it probably can be applied to other patterns for pornography as well. 30% of all data transferred across the internet is porn-related. Um, the most common female role in porn titles is that of a woman in their 20s portraying a teenager. 64% of young people aged 13 to 24 actively seek out pornography weekly or more often. 64%. Now, pornography as we know it now um, didn't exist in the Bible. And um, I actually consider the pornography that's used now um, I mean, you could call it maybe a spectrum, like pornography is like worse now or something like that. I actually think that the pornography that's used now is so far on that spectrum that I'd almost consider it a different category. I do. I consider it a different category from the pornography that's been used in the past. And uh, they've just gotten so refined in their production of pornography. Um, to understand that a little bit, I'll talk about the refractory period. So when, um, when a man has sex or has an orgasm, there's a certain amount of time before they'll do that again, before they can have another orgasm. And that's called like this period, there's this period of time, and they do research on it. And 
that period of time is uh, longer if they're with the same partner than if they get a new partner. So if you take a rooster and they have sex with one hen and you wait for them to have sex again with that hen, it's going to be a certain amount of time. But if you give them a new hen, they can have sex right away, um, pretty much. Like it's, it's a much shorter period of time if they get a new partner. And the same is true for humans, uh, for men. So when people are creating pornography, in the past, they would uh, you know, have it on paper or something like that, have a magazine, and you would have, flip the pages and you would get a new hen, so to speak. You'd get a new um, stimulus. And now, with computer screens and, and the uh, ability to do video editing and all these things that we can do now, um, they are able to create flash images, image after image after image after image after image, um, and which decreases and makes it more and more kind of sexually potent um, in, its, uh, in its power in a, in a male brain. The other thing that a pornography can do is it can do multiple partners at once, it can do multiple women, and it can do sexual acts that people aren't comfortable doing in reality. So it pushes people into new novel situations which kind of has a similar effect on that refractory period. It has a similar effect on making it more and more powerful, but it then pushes people into new and um, different and sometimes unhealthy sexual patterns as well. So the pornography that we have today is not the pornography of the past. I think it's a completely different category. It would be kind of like um, comparing an apple with a pixie stick. Yes, they both have sugar in them. So is that a continuum? I don't know. You could maybe argue that it's a continuum. I'm oh, sorry, a pixie stick is like a plastic tube filled with sugar. Um, it's a candy. So if you were to compare an apple with a pixie stick, maybe then, and you'd say that's a continuum, sure. But I believe those are different categories. Uh, when you put apples in front of a baby, um, they eat an appropriate amount. They'll, if you put different foods in front of a baby, natural foods, over a week, now they binge for sure. Babies will binge on different foods, like they'll binge on the meat or they'll binge on the grain or they'll whatever, on the pasta. But over a week period of time, a baby will get a, nat a healthy amount of food for, of each category. So they'll binge, but they'll binge through the week on different things, so you don't have to worry about them. However, if you introduce sugar, uh, all bets are off. If you do preservative foods and things like that, babies don't eat naturally anymore. And that's what happens with a pixie stick. A pixie stick throws a human being off. It's not natural. It can't be naturally regulated anymore like an apple could be. So it's a different category in, your hum in the human brain. So now we have these pixie sticks. But I, I, I do want to bring it to the Bible because there is pornography of a sense or of a, of a type in the Bible. And it's relevant. Um, let's talk about David and Bathsheba. 2 Samuel 11, uh, verse 2. 2 Samuel 11, verse 2. I'll just read it for you. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house. And he saw from the roof a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the son of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her. And she became, and she came to him, and he lay with her. In brackets, now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanliness. So there was this ritual cleansing after a menstrual cycle at that time. Then she returned to her house, and the woman uh, Bathsheba conceived, and she sent and told David, "I am pregnant." So people can really think negatively about Bathsheba because bathing in public now for women is not appropriate. But at that time, there was. Potentially, I don't, I don't know exactly what she was doing, and it doesn't say, but it's very likely 
that this was totally appropriate in their culture. It was probably at dusk when it was very uh, light outside. She, was she might not have even been naked completely. She probably was using a cloth and was clothed. Um, it's hard to say, obviously, what she was doing. Um, but David was in a particularly strange place. He was up high in this king's palace, and she was probably being somewhat discreet, generally speaking, but couldn't think that the king would be watching her from somewhere up high from this vantage point. And there were times when women would bathe and things like this. So this wasn't her fault. David, it was kind of like um, uh, a woman in a bathroom and somebody using a telescope to look in the window. Do you consider that the woman's fault? I wouldn't say so. I would say that that's the man's fault. It's a voyeur. And that's what David's doing here. And it's a kind of pornography in a sense. Um, and even with this low-level pornography, where it's one woman and um, it's kind of an appropriate socially appropriate situation, it still has an effect on him. Now, what are the effects of pornography? There's a number of them, and I'll just run through them. One of them really applies to David, and some of them don't. The first is hostile sexism. Pornography has been shown to negatively affect men's attitudes towards women. Men become more negative towards women, generally speaking, if they use pornography. They become more sexist. They see women more as objects. This one would be good for... Anybody who's having trouble with school or anything. There's research showing that pornography users have more difficulty with attention and working memory. Isn't that interesting? I find that so interesting. I don't know what's going on, but it's like, if you use pornography, all of a sudden the next day you can't concentrate. Your brain is off. And you can't remember things. I don't know if you're thinking about pornography all day. Um, Violence. Pornography seems to cause men to be more violently punitive towards women. So they set up this experiment where men get to punish women. They're not really punishing women, but they think they are. They're perceiving themselves as punishing these women. And they have to make a choice about whether they're going to physically punish the woman or not. And men who were using pornography before are more likely to physically punish the woman in that situation than, than men who were not using pornography. Changed sexuality. This is kind of a tricky topic. People don't like to talk about sexuality changing very much, but it's true. It does change, particularly for women, but for men too. It's a controversial topic. Male porn, male, men using porn, predicts lower sexual quality for both men and for women. How men have their orgasms affect how they have their orgasms. It's just the way it works. So, if I was to take some uh, lacy lingerie into the Old Testament and show somebody, they would pick it up and they would have no sexual response. They might try to use it as a slingshot or something like that. <laughs> the, the response, but some men now have a fetish about it and all they, ha all they can have an orgasm to is something lacy. And that's not because of the lingerie. It's because they had an orgasm over and over and over again in the presence of that lingerie. And now it has become activated, it has become associated, and it has become a potent stimulus. And in that way, that person's sexuality has changed. That didn't happen in the Old Testament. That person, through their activity, changed their sexuality. I remember reading this story. I was not reading Playboy, but it was an article. And I don't know how I got it. I think it was online or something about Hugh Hefner. And uh, he, I think it was like uh, somebody... One of the, I don't know, bunnies or one of the women around him kind of wrote this story later about him. And apparently, oh, I mean, he would have these beds filled with, uh, with women every night, right? And, um, you know, the goal of the evening was to have Hugh Hefner uh, kind of have his experience. And it was interesting because even though he had a bed filled with, uh, you know, uh, physically attractive women, 
At the end of the night, he had to watch pornography in order to have an orgasm. He had to like, have them all sitting around him, and he'd have to watch a screen. That's a changed sexuality. That's, that's being trained to have an orgasm to lace. That's being trained to have an orgasm to a screen. Because a screen is so much more powerful. It's a pixie stick. It's a pixie stick. It's different. And men who, have, who use pornography are more likely to have an affair. And this is what happened to David. And they, a lot of times in research we say, you know, things have, are related. Like, well, maybe all of the cheaters use porn. What if it didn't cause it? What if, the, what if the people who have affairs are just the porn users, but the pornography is just benign? It's not really doing anything. It's just the, those the guys who do it. Well, they looked at their attitudes towards having an affair while they were using porn, and then they had them stop using porn for a few weeks. And after only a few weeks, they became more loyal to their partners in their attitudes. The porn was actually causing these men to become less faithful, less loyal to their partners. And this isn't even the most scary part, because that's exactly what happened to David, right? He saw the porn, saw the woman, and he had an affair. But this isn't the most scary part. The scariest part in the research is that there's all these effects, but when they ask men, when they look at men and their usage of porn, they can't detect a difference in themselves after they use pornography. Maybe men would have a chance against this if they could feel themselves changing as they use pornography. But all we have is the word of God because men can't tell. Men are using pornography and they feel the same before and after, a month later. They don't realize that they're getting more loyal, less loyal, more hostile, less hostile, that they're having concentration problems. They don't realize that they're more physically punitive or that their sexuality over time is slowly changing. They don't realize any of that until maybe a decade later and they look back and say, hmm, And even then, they probably have to have somebody tell them, maybe that was porn. Oh, I never thought of that. I didn't see the association. I didn't see the connection. And that's what makes it really dangerous. Last Sunday, I talked about the spiritual power of sex. And I believe that that sermon, that message, is foundational to a lot of the messages that are coming. There's spiritual power in sex. The basic idea is that sex is symbolic for our relationship with God. I'm getting kind of used to saying that, but that probably sounds strange. I don't mean this in a literal way. Like, I don't mean this in a lewd way. I don't mean that you're going to go have sex with God. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. But if you look at the language in the Bible, if you look at the themes in the Bible, and you look at the way Jesus and God treat sex, it's very clear that this is a big spiritual deal. This is not a small topic. And that's why it's so sad that churches don't talk about it often. We become a new creation. One with Christ. One flesh. We have to be in Him. In the Holy Spirit and in Him in order to produce any good fruit. Well, what happens in sex? Two people become one flesh and they produce a new creation. So if we're a new creation in Christ, if we become one with the Holy Spirit and become a new creation, that's totally symbolic of the way God created sex. The Holy Spirit comes upon you, and in that union, you are giving birth to something new. And sex is a symbol for this. We are the bride of Christ. We are his wife. We are supposed to come together with him in a very intimate way. We are not supposed to be even able to tell the difference between ourselves and him. We are a new creation. 
We're not an old creation that has something hovering over it. We are supposed to be born into something new. And how do you become born? Well, what happens before birth? There's a union. A union, in this case, with God. And God's design is for us to mirror our union with him in our sexual relationships. And if we don't do this, it goes against our relationship with him. Okay, so where am I getting all this from? Yeah, sure, I've got some metaphors, but let's read 1 Corinthians 6.13. Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. Isn't that a strange statement? And the Lord for the body. Our bodies were made for him. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? We're we're one with him, right? Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take, um, take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. That's what this is all coming to. We're supposed to be one with him. So flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Sorry. The temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. This is a very important sentence here. So glorify God in your body. One thing that people don't realize is that when they're using porn, they're still having a sexual relationship. It's still a sexual union. It's still a relationship. And it has all the hallmarks of a relationship. And there's a reason why people really like pornography. And part of it is why I was talking about before, like how it's a pixie stick. But there's one other reason, and that is it's completely controllable. There's no messy relationship dynamics that go along with pornography. Obviously, there's other, lots of other negative effects. But in that moment, if a man is anxious, if a man is having difficulty connecting with people, and lots of them do have that problem, porn is completely safe. It's something that a man can go to and not be worried that they're going to be rejected or that they're going to do something wrong. They can express themselves Porn is a relationship, and some people in the world are actually veering completely away from having sex. Well, human sex, like sex with another person. I I read an article about how in Japan, young people are starting to consider sex undesirable. They don't want to have sex anymore. I never thought I would see the day. I never thought that the warfare around sex would take it to a place where sex was not wanted. They're like, why would I have sex with a woman? I'll just go home and use pornography or anime or whatever. You know, like, I'm just going to go and do that. I wonder if that's where this is actually going, where people don't want to have sex. 
It's so interesting that now, as a pastor, I'm having to get up and say, I want people to have sex. (laughs) For generations, we've been saying, no more sex. Now it's like, please have sex. There's another theme here. So sex is a relationship. So I know that the verse was talking about having sex with a prostitute is one flesh. But pornography is a relationship. It's a partner. And it shows all the dynamics of an affair. If somebody's having, using pornography, and unless it's kind of accepted you know, as part of the couple, all of a sudden they're hiding the pornography. Anyway, it just becomes its own relationship. There's secrets with this pornography that are not there with their partner. They make time for it. They love it. They take care of it. Protect it. So it's a relationship, and you become one with it. Everything we do in our life is an act of worship or an act of rebellion. Everything we do. And God doesn't close the bedroom door and say, okay, well, whatever you do in there is not about me. I'm going to leave you alone in there. God doesn't do that. And the end of that verse, it says, so glorify God in your body. Now, this whole passage, I love this verse, the whole passage is about how don't be immoral sexually. Right? Don't do that. But instead, glorify God. Now, is it saying, I want you to go to church and worship really well and sing? When it says glorify God in your body, and it was saying the only way to sin against your body is to do something sexually immoral, but now I want you to glorify God in your body, I don't think it's saying to go and sing in church. So what's it saying? How do you glorify God in your body? If you're going to sin against your body sexually, morally, and you want to glorify God in your body, you're going to sexually do something, right? You're going to have sex. So glorify God in your body. This is a great church. I want you to have sex. I want you to glorify God in your body. I want your bodies to glorify God. Everything we do is an act of worship. We either glorify God or we glorify ourselves. So if we glorify God in our body, we're not sinning against our body. We glorify God in our body by being sexually pure. Having marital sex is an act of worship and spiritual warfare. Might be a little bit awkward to think about God in the bedroom, but that's where we land. Everything we do is for Him. Sex is worship. Today is a day of grace. Today is a day of freedom. where we want our instruments to be his instruments. We want our bodies to be his bodies. Can the worship team come up? We're going to do one more song.
Lord, thank you. That even though we can't, as people, tell the difference or can't always see what sin is doing to us, we can't even feel it, you don't keep it a secret. You tell us very clearly how to avoid these things. I'm going to have one more point. Sorry, you guys can stay up here. It's just going to be really short. I wanted to cover just briefly. I didn't write it down. How do you stay sexually pure? How do you stay sexually pure? This is a big question, but I'm going to cover it very quickly because these guys are standing. So, um, if you want to stay sexually pure, you have to change your pattern, your um, pattern, your orgasm pattern, to, to put it that way. So, people will come in and they'll be like, well, Cyrus, how do I change this? And it's very clear that if you stop using pornography, the effects of pornography stop affecting you very, quite quickly. And if you only have orgasms in response to your marital partner, they become more attractive to you. A lot of men will come in later in life and be like, I'm not attracted to my partner anymore. And it's also important not to have orgasm responses to pictures from the past of your partner. Purity comes from walking with him. And it's wonderful that in the research we see that if you maintain that purity with him, it actually heals you. And it makes it easier to walk with him in the future. Okay, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this. Thank you for making your path clear. And thank you that you don't just tell us what's wrong, but you tell us how to heal ourselves. You tell us how to make this easier. And Lord, I pray that you would bring freedom to each person here and to the church and to the city. Lord, I pray that you would give us strategies, that you would give us spiritual power and authority. And that you would help us to walk in freedom. Amen. I don't understand.